celebration. You know, everything in life has a life cycle. Everything in life has a life cycle. Everything is at one time born. There's a beginning. There's a birthing of everything. And from birth, we hopefully grow up and mature. Um, you know, it's what I like to call up and to the right. Um, in as leadership and as a pastor, I like to see things moving up and to the right. I want to see attendance up and to the right. I want to see giving up and to the right. I want to see salvations up and to the right. We, we, there's hopefully a growth uh, uh, channel in there. So there's a birthing, there's a beginning, and then there's a growth. But then at some point, things plateau. So, so at some point, things even out. Nothing can continue on that upward course uh, for forever. And so once we move from growth, we end up at the plateau level, and then there's a decline that comes in. Now we, we end up in a decline. Now we're in a downward spiral, and that's where we got to start answering some questions. Uh, that's where we might have to change some things up. That's where we might need to bring some things in to kind of mix it up a little bit. Um, I haven't been around a long time. I've only been around uh, uh, 32 years and 11 months, so um, I'm getting pretty close to 33. Is that right, 33? I hope that's right, I guess. 1983, 2016, that's 33 years. So uh, I'll be 33 years next month, and I've been in the church uh, uh, 33 years and nine months, let's just say. Um, and and so I, I, I've seen some things happen in the church. I know many of you have been in church a lot longer than that, and that's great. Um, and, and so you've probably seen some things. You've seen dispensations. You've seen God move in various ways. Um, and, and I want to tell you today that, that God will move in many different ways. Uh, God will move when someone speaks in tongues, and God will move when someone doesn't. God will move when someone falls down, and God will move when someone doesn't. God will move uh, when the healing is instantaneous, and God will move when the healing uh, might take a few weeks. The, God is moving, and if you put God in your box, he's not going to move in your box. He moves in his box, and so you've got to learn to get with God's box. But at some point, there's a decline that shows up, and, and from decline, we see death. Death. But what I hope to show you today is, is that you have a different picture of death than God does. You have a different picture of finalization than God does. You have a different image of it is finished than God does. It is finished, but it isn't over. Can I tell you the problem with Easter? Can I, can I just tell you the problem with Easter? Um, we have made, in, in the church, we've made Easter almost, a uh, well, it is a, a bigger day than, you know, any other day of the year for the church. Easter and Christmas. Easter and Christmas, those are the two largest days for, uh, you know, attendance and crowds in churches. And, man, I'm loving this. I mean, I'm seeing a very few gray chairs staring back at me, and, and this is awesome. Uh, God is doing a work at Anchor Faith Church about Austin. If you haven't connected with us, you'll have an opportunity in a few weeks. Vision Partnership is on Saturday, April 9th. We'll be going through our vision and uh, purpose and helping you understand why we're here, what we're called to do, and how you get to be a part of that. You get to be a part. You don't have to be a part. You get to be a part. Uh, we don't need you, uh, but God needs you. And uh, so we're excited about anybody that wants to connect with us through that, new faces and new families, and we love it. So. Uh, uh, um, so we're, we're seeing that 
um, you know, Easter has this, you know, here's Easter. So everything goes up to Easter, and then, you know, what happens after that? And then we get to Christmas, and then we're back at the top. And and what I, I heard someone make this statement once or twice or a hundred times, that Easter is the Super Bowl for the church. It's the Super Bowl. It's like Super Bowl Sunday for the church. And I know what they're talking about. I mean, there's some, there is some awesome celebration to be had on Resurrection Sunday. Can I get an amen? Uh, our king is alive. He's not in the grave. You, uh, you serve the only God that has come back from the dead. Uh, you're, you serve the only God that is truly alive, that hears you every time you speak. That should, that's, that's worth uh, celebrating, in my opinion. But what I'm afraid is setting in is that we see the cross as a finish line rather than a starting line. We see the cross and, and, and we celebrate. Because when you make the statement, Super Bowl Sunday, you're talking about the completion of something. You're talking about finishing something. You're talking about, you know, a, a rest period. And look, God finishes things. He finished creating the earth in six days, and he took a rest on, on, on the seventh day. He took a break. He propped his feet up, the Bible says. He made the world his footstool. He's, he's hanging out. He's resting. But what I'm, I'm concerned with is, is that we see death differently than God. In John chapter 11, going back to my key text, we saw a man named Lazarus. Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus. Lazarus was close to Jesus. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha were actually housing Jesus for the last six months or so of his ministry because if he went back into Jerusalem, they would have killed him on the spot. They, they, were, they were trying to get rid of this guy. And, and so he's you know, hiding out in one sense. See, God, Jesus only obeyed his father. He only did what his father told him to do. And so he gets word that uh, his, uh, his good friend, Lazarus, is sick. Not dead, but sick. Not dead, but sick. And if you actually look at John chapter 11 and verse 4 in the New Living, I love the way it words it here. In the New Living, it'll be on the screen for you. It says, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. Now, see, you and I, end and death are synonymous. That's the same thing. If you die, the end. Right? This ain't no video game. You don't get a second chance. You don't get another life. You don't blink a few times on the screen, and then you're right back at the last checkpoint where you left off, right? And you got new rounds of ammo and, 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 and new life and new health. And it, that doesn't happen in, in, in life, the life that you and I know. And and death are, are not the same. But he says, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God. So that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Now, just picture yourself as one of Jesus' disciples uh, or even the messengers that have called for Jesus uh, that have been sent by Mary and Martha. Just picture, uh, you know, being one of them. And your expectation is Jesus is about, uh, you know, maybe a day's trip away uh, from Lazarus. We can have, the, we can have him back here uh, by the end of the day. 
lays hands on Lazarus. We've seen that done a million times. We've seen him lay hands on people. We've seen, you know, our expectation. You've, some of you who have been here for a little bit have heard me kind of minister in this direction that they had an expectation that if Jesus could show up, he could lay his hands on Lazarus and Lazarus, Lazarus would receive the life necessary to be healed. That was the expectation. But their experience was different. So just imagine you're a disciple of Jesus. You know how close he is with Jesus, with Lazarus. You're a messenger coming to get Jesus. And he makes this statement. This sickness will not end in death. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Amen. That, that's, that's a good word. It's a powerful word. I believe that. I believe, so let's go. Come on. We believe that. No, but it is for the glory of God that the Son of Man would be glorified through it. Yeah, that, that's, that's good, Jesus. Man, you are, you are preaching. Come on, bring it. All right, let, let's go. We've got to get walking. You can, you can share this stuff with us on the road. You know, we've got we to gotta get moving. And then uh, the, the very next verse, the very next verse, uh, uh, verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days. Boy, you got a funny way of showing you love somebody. I love you. I'm not coming. Man, I love you guys. You guys are, you guys are my best friends. I, I'll see you in a week. I'll see you in a couple of days. Well, you're not understanding. He's at the point of death. If you don't get here now, we may lose him. But Jesus makes a statement that he's declaring a different finish. A different finish. You see here that Jesus had, uh, my first point, ulterior motives. Ulterior motives. And, and i got to be honest with you, um, you know, I had trouble looking up the definition for ulterior because I thought the word was ulterior. Like alternate, like alternative. And I don't know why they spell it like that. Maybe my English guy over here can explain it. I don't know. Uh, so once I finally figured out how to spell it, then I was able to get the definition. And the definition for ulterior means this. The meaning is not obvious. The meaning is not obvious. It means, ulterior means, intentionally hidden. Intentionally hidden. Jesus had ulterior motives. His motive wasn't just to see Lazarus healed. His motive was to see God glorified and the Son of Man glorified as well. He declares a, a different expectation, if you will. And see, now I, I'm, I'm wondering what things are close to death, or even maybe have died, and you're wondering why it died. You're, you're wondering, why did that dream die? Why did that business die? Why did that friendship die? Why did that marriage die? Uh, why did that person die? Why did I lose that thing? Why was there a separation? What kind of death is in your life? And you're questioning why. And Jesus identifies here that Yes, Lazarus is at the point of death, but I'm hanging out a little bit because I've got another motive. I've got another motivation. I've, there's something else that God wants to present here. Sure, God would love to just heal Lazarus, but this is the thing, that God wants to go 
beyond just our mentality of how can we heal that and mend this and and make that better. And he's wanting to know how can we get the bigger picture, so to speak. How can we get the bigger picture? Here's what you got to understand about death. Is that God doesn't cause it. This is what you got to understand. Jesus did not put sickness on Lazarus. God doesn't cause hurt and pain. He's not even capable of it. The Bible tells us that God is good. God is good. So God doesn't cause it, but he will use it for his glory. Whatever has died in your life, whatever is hurting, whatever needs mending, whatever needs healing in your life, understand that God didn't put it on you. He's not trying to teach you something, although you can learn from the process. You can learn from how he wants to heal the situation. God will use it, but he did not cause it. He didn't cause it. My Bible tells me in John 10.10 that Jesus came. He said, I came to bring life and to give life more abundantly. Sickness unto death is not life and is not life more abundantly. The Bible tells us in the same verse that the thief, Satan, the evil one, comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He is the author of trouble. But is is anybody in the room willing to admit with me that God has used some trials in your life? That God has used some pain and some hurt and, and maybe even some death? To, to, to teach you or show you something. God doesn't cause it, but he will use it. So you've got to understand that with God, even death has purpose. With God, even death has purpose. God is a God of purpose. Nothing happens with God by accident. And even though it may have been an accident, he will give purpose to accidents. He'll give purpose to accidents. You know, we call, you know, natural disasters acts of God, right? It's an act of God. You know, I made this statement last week when we were talking about control. You know, we'll, we'll say in the same breath, we'll say, man, the world is out of control. Good thing God is in control. Well, how, how does that work? How does that work? We've got to understand what God is doing, and we've also got to understand what God is not doing. Because if you don't understand what God is not doing, then you won't try to get rid of the sickness because you'll just thank God that he's trying to teach you something. But we've got to understand that death comes, trials come, troubles come. In this world, you will have many trials and tribulations, but, he says... Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He has overcome the world. And you are an overcomer through Jesus if you are in the kingdom of God. So that means that we've got to learn to see it the way God sees it. We've got to learn to see the trial the way God sees the trial. See, you know, I'm sure that Mary and Martha and the messengers and the disciples, you know, are, are, you know, kicking themselves now. Because the word is written and they're able to step back and say, oh, that's what he was trying to do. 
But when you're in it, they don't know the book's being written about them. They don't know this is going to end up in a book one day and, and, and they're going to be a story for everyone to read. They don't understand that. They're just going through thinking, I don't want Lazarus to die. I don't want Lazarus to die. I don't want this separation and this death to take place. But Jesus is trying to get to something bigger. Jesus is trying to move them to something greater. Later on in John chapter 11, uh, same chapter, verse 25. Verse 25, he says uh, to Martha, as Martha comes out to him and, 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 and says, Lord, if you would have just been here, he wouldn't have died. How many of you have ever said that to God? God, if you would have just showed up, I wouldn't have gone bankrupt. If you would have just showed up, I wouldn't have lost my marriage. If you would have just shown up, I wouldn't have lost that. If you would have just shown up, I wouldn't have to go through this. If you would have just shown up. And, 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 and so she says, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And, and Jesus says to her here in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live. Watch this. Even after dying. Life after death. Life beyond death. See, that's a whole new ball game for Mary and Martha. Because the end is death. It's over. Put him in the ground. He stinks. He's behind a stone. This thing is done. We're just here grieving and, 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 and here, you know, remembering who Lazarus was and the great things he did and, and what a great brother he was and what a great son he was and, and what a great, uh, you know, friend he was. But it's over. There, there's nothing beyond that. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. See, he's trying to show Martha because Martha says, oh, yeah, I know my brother will rise again in the resurrection. And he, and, and he says, no, 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 I am. The resurrection. you got to get this today. That resurrection is not an event. Resurrection is a man. And if you can come into contact with the man, you can receive the resurrecting power in your life. If you're just waiting for something to happen, you will miss it. But if you get in contact with someone, you'll find that resurrection power will show up. You'll find that dead things will rise again. You'll find life in the midst of death. You'll find hope in the midst of hopelessness. You'll find, you'll find love in the midst of despair. The resurrection is not an event. You're waiting for a day. You're waiting for an hour. You're waiting for uh, the season. You're waiting for the clouds to align. You're waiting for Jesus to come back. You're waiting, and he's saying, I am. I am resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. See, he was trying to help them develop a belief system. It's my second point. We first saw that Jesus had ulterior motives, but now we see that we've got to develop a belief system. In verse 26, John 11, verse 26, he goes on, he says, Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. What's that mean? It'll never be over. There's always a chance. There's always life. He, he says, do you believe this? Do you 
believe this. I mean, if you skip on down to verse 42, John chapter 11 uh, and, and, and verse 42, you always hear me, but I said it out loud. He's talking to his father now for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. See, Lazarus died and went in the grave, not because Jesus put sickness on him and not because Jesus wanted him to die and not because Jesus caused the death to take place, but because he allowed it. Why? So that people will believe that you sent me. If you skip over to the next chapter, John chapter 12, John chapter 12 and verse 11, I believe it is. He says, for it was because of him, Lazarus, that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. People are believing in Jesus six months before he goes to the cross. Six months before he goes to the cross. And so I wonder, I wonder what God is wanting to work through your situation. I wonder who he's trying to reach. You probably didn't think as broad as, uh, you know, the co-workers that work with you and the family members that don't believe in God and they care nothing for church. And every time you talk about it, they're like, I don't want to hear that stuff. Why you got to talk about church again? Why you got to talk about anchor faith? Why you got to talk about this? And why you got to talk about that? We don't want to hear any of that. You can keep your God stuff to yourself. Maybe God's trying to reach them through your situation. And we're saying, God, if you would have just been here. And he's saying, oh, I'm the resurrection. Get the bigger picture. Get a belief system. Do you believe me? Do you believe me? Do you believe me that my father will be glorified in this and that I will be glorified through it? See, there's, there is a, a, an ulterior motive. And if you understand the motive, then you can develop the proper belief system. That God didn't do it. God wants to heal it. But maybe... Maybe there's a bigger picture. It's difficult to be comfortable with God's conditions sometimes. It's difficult to be comfortable with with God's conditions. See, this is how faith operates. This is how faith operates. Because you're putting faith in Belief in something that you cannot see. I want, I'm trying to explain to you why we even celebrate the resurrection in the first place. You understand that the resurrection, this event that we're celebrating today, is the one founding basis for the church. Paul outlines like nine or ten things that if Jesus never came back to life, there's like nine or ten things that he outlines in the word that we wouldn't even have if that's not a true statement. It's one thing to believe that Jesus died on the cross. It's another thing to believe that he rose again because many people have died for causes. Not very many people have risen again for that cause. We've been talking about the kingdom for the last few weeks and our kingdom is the only one where the king dies for his people. All other kingdoms, the people die for their king. We serve a king that gave his life. But we know people that have given their lives. You might even know somebody just in the natural that's given their life for something. You might even know someone in the natural uh, that that has, has died for a cause. 
Well, we've, we've got a room full of, of military in this room, and we know that there are, are thousands, hundreds of thousands in the, in the establishment of our nation that have given their lives for the United States of America. Blood was shed for your freedoms and your rights. That's nothing new. Jesus died for a cause, but he also rose again, rose again for an even greater cause because death could not hold him down. He is victorious. The third point that I want to show you today is great expectation. Great expectation. Why do we celebrate the resurrection? Why, why is it so important? Why is it so uh, magnanimous, if I can use that word to sound smarter than I really am? Uh, and why, why is it that we celebrate the resurrection? Because on that cross, he said, it is finished. Well, what you've got to understand, you've got to understand what was finished. What? What's it? It is the redemptive plan of God that he set in place all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. When he said, now I will bring a seed through the woman. You will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. It's a plan of redemption. It's a plan to get you back. If you've been here the last several weeks, you know that we've been ministering on the original intent, the original purpose, that God did not place you on this earth to chase heaven. God did not place you on this earth to figure out that if one day, how can I get to heaven and be with God and be with Jesus again one day? No, he placed you on this earth to bring heaven to the earth, to change your surroundings, to change your life, to change your patterns, to change everything that's around you. To make your life, your world, look like heaven once again. And the redemptive plan was in place. He said, it is finished. I've gone to the cross, but I've got news for you today. It is finished, but it isn't over. It's not over. Death is not the end. Death has no victory. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? You have none because our Lord Jesus, our King, has conquered the grave, death, hell, forever. He's conquered it. So great expectations. Where do I go from here? Where do I go from here? Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 says, and since we die, yeah, we've got to die. We've got to do some dying. We've got to do some dying. Since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. Why are we sure of this? We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead. And he will never die again. Death no longer. Come on. This this should be exciting to somebody. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives 
for the glory of God. See, you've got to understand that Jesus didn't just save you from something. He saved you for something. The cross might be the finish line, but the grave, the empty tomb, where there is no Jesus any longer, the grave is empty, and that is now your starting line for the great things that God has for you. You can't resurrect what doesn't first die. You can't bring back to life what first doesn't lose life. And you'll never get to know the life that Jesus has until you experience the death that Jesus has. What does that mean? I'm dying to myself. I'm letting go of the world. I'm letting go of my ways. I'm letting go of my desires. I'm letting go of my dreams and my passions. And I'm giving it to God. I die and then I'm raised back to life. We're about to do water baptism uh, for a few people. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care if you didn't sign up. If this is your day, if this is your moment, and you say, I need to do that, you need to get over here and you need to be water baptized. Because that's signifying that you've been uh, laid to rest. You've died with Jesus and raised to new life in Christ. Second Corinthians 5.17 tells me that the old is gone and the new has come. But you've got to lay down the old. You've got to die to yourself. You've got to die to the world. Death has to take place before resurrection can show up. Death has to take place before resurrection can show up. It is finished. What's finished? My old way of living. I'm finished with it. The hurts and the pains that I had, I'm finished with it. The, the addictions and the desires uh, and the hopelessness that I was living in, it is finished. It is over. But it is not over because now I get to take a new step in a new direction, in the new life. But you can't experience new life if you're holding on to your old life. Something has to die. Lazarus had to die. So that the Son of God could be revealed through the Son of Man. So that God could be glorified. And that the Son of Man could be glorified. Death had to take place. So new life, new life could spring forth. If I could have the worship team come back up. We've got to understand this concept today. I want you to understand that something has to die before we can experience the new life in Christ. I don't, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you've come in with. I, I, I don't know what dead things you're holding on to. I don't know what needs to be resurrected. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you've got some things that are near death and just need to go, go ahead and be killed so that we can experience the new life in Jesus. The new life in Jesus. The new life in Jesus. I want us to experience life. I want us to experience God's life. But first, we've got to take care of some dead things. First, we've got to take care of some dead things. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. give you an opportunity give you an opportunity 
to kill some dead things, to let go of some dead things so that we can see the resurrecting power of Jesus. It, it might be it might be a relationship. It might be a, an old hurt or pain. It, it, it might be, you, you might not even know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you may need to let go of the dead world and the dead life that you're in so you can experience God's new life. I don't know what it is, but today you have the opportunity to let go of dead things so we can take hold of new things. You can let go of dead things so we can take hold of new life. New life. He conquered the grave. He conquered the grave forevermore. He conquered the grave. It no longer has a hold on him, and it no longer should have a hold on you. I want you to just take a moment. Just meditate. Meditate. Think on. Think on. What are the dead things in life that we need to give to Jesus? What are the dead things in life that we need His resurrection power? What are the dead things in life that we need to see new life spring forth? It is finished, but it isn't over. It is finished, but it isn't over. We thank you this morning. We thank you that the resurrecting power, the same power, the same power 
the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. I command dead things to be gone in the name of Jesus. I command dead things to be gone in the name of Jesus. And Father, we now commit ourselves to your resurrection power. New life. New life. The old is gone and the new has come. All across this room, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you have not